0: Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. (laughs) It's so bad! Welcome back to The Screening Room. Kind of a week, maybe in between, big, big releases, Mm -hmm, but we've mm -hmm. got some good stuff to talk about. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com, and The Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by the fine folks at Marcus Crosswoods Theater.
1: With their 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounge recliners.
0: And we're going to start this week with the debut of Jonah Hill as a writer-director movie follows Stevie, a 13-year-old boy in 90s-era L.A. who spends his summer navigating between his troubled home life and a group of new friends that he meets at a skate shop. It's called Mid-90s.
1: You think you're pretty cool they are ghetto-ass friends?
0: You good? Ah. You think you're tough and shit? You're just a little fucking kid. A lot of the time, we feel like our lives are the worst. But think if you looked at anybody else's closet... You ain't trade your shit for their shit. So let's go. That's why we ride a piece of wood, like what that does to somebody's spirit. You know, it's funny, even though he's had a couple of Oscar nominations, I was talking to somebody this morning, I still think Jonah Hill sometimes is underrated as an actor, he has done and continues to do some really fine, fine work as an actor. And here, it's his first try at being a filmmaker.
1: And he's not in it, which right. is interesting because I think you know, you, you know, we saw with *A Star Is Born* earlier this year. A lot of times, actors do make that leap to directing, but often they are still in their film. So yeah. it's interesting to me that he's he's chosen. And he wouldn't have fit, you know. It's a it's a film about teenagers. <laughs> Uh, And and one single parent, there's really no other adult in the movie.
0: Yeah, that's right. And as you would watch it, you would think that, well, especially because one of the characters is uh, is constantly holding a movie camera and is filming and wants to make a movie. So you might think, oh, this is very autobiographical. But from everything I've read, the interviews that he's given, it's not really. Uh, Even though he did grow up in the mid-90s in the L.A. area. Uh, this is kind of a, 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 a culture, skateboarding culture, that, he, that was kind of omnipresent around him, but not one that he really took part in first person, which maybe makes it even more impressive that he's able to tap into this so well, because I think it's a very effective movie.
1: It is. I agree with you. And the the lead, Sonny Soljic, who was so good in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. And it, this is a very, very different role, and he, he's just perfect. He also
0: popped up as a supporting role in uh, The clo- the House with a Clock in Its Walls yeah, uh, recently. So, yeah, yeah, he did. He is. He's just perfect. And really, everybody is, but he's the one of the kids in the cast that's actually had a good bit of acting experience. Once his character, Stevie... Falls in with this new group of friends, all the skaters. They they have little, the actors have little to know experience and they're just great they
1: really are especially sort of the two oldest the mentors the ones he's most interested in being like they 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 just cut really authentic but interesting presence now i want to also mention though lucas hedges who plays sonny's older brother right a lot of rage issues a lot of problems with that kid and you don't get to know him at all but i think lucas hedges first of all i think is one of the greatest actors working today he He is such an impressive kid
0: he continues to impress and he's supposedly great i'm looking we're looking forward to seeing boy erased yeah Coming up, but yeah, he is just making a very, very impressive resume here in a short amount of time. You're right; he is uh, Stevie's older brother, um, 18 years old, and then they live with their 36 year old mother, played by Katherine Waterston, who's who always is, good. She is always good, and that you know it sets up his home life as being one that's very, you know, there's not a lot of closeness there. He doesn't feel any sense of belonging as a as a young 13 year old. Right. No. You know, his his brother, as you mentioned, very angry. As some eighteen-year-old boys are want to be, and then his mother is—it's—it's it's like she's trying, but yet she's so wrapped up in herself yeah. that she's not really seeing what's going on. And it's
1: not—it's not overstated. She doesn't come off as being one-dimensional, even though she's a she's a very minor character, really, in the film. But for me, I think, yeah, all of the characters in his house seem lonely.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he is looking for not only a sense of belonging. He's looking for, as a thirteen-year-old boy, he's looking for a sense of a male role models into the pattern masculinity on he's yeah. entering that time of life and he's 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 grasping at something to hold on to that he can identify with and he's
1: not going to be his older brother
0: it's not it's no. not it's not so he yeah he he falls in with these uh, skate kids kind of just Insists on joining them just by hanging out. The, yeah, until they notice him, right? And and let him in, and they give Cause him because
1: he's just cute. He's just <laughs> yeah. he's just adorable, and
0: he's willing to just do anything. Exactly, Go get him some he's just water. happy to do yeah. whatever. Yeah. So yeah. eventually, they welcome him in with a, a brand new nickname. They call him Sunburn <laughs> because they they work on nicknames. Well, one of the one of the kids is is uh, goes by fuck shit The other one goes by Fourth Grade. Right. And then you've got Ray and Reuben. Ruben. Ruben are the new friends. So, and instantly, just like that, that becomes his new family. And uh, it's it's really a great—you know, the movie is called Mid-90s, and it is a very successful time stamp, you know, yeah. of, of a time period. But it's also very good about a time in life. Yeah, does a nice job with that. And a place, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Really does. It's it's a sort of a, a verite mm-hmm. style, yeah. wouldn't you say? Uh, slice of life. Yeah, very slice of life. I think we, we would both put it kind of somewhere between— kids yeah that very famous verité style yeah, film Lillard. from 1995 and a, and a new documentary that's out right now called minding the gap minding the gap, With, which is about skaters yeah
1: it is it's it's actually it's funny because the one character fourth grade is always filming minding the gap is actually a compilation documentary taken from a kid who just filmed his friend skateboarding for 10 years yeah, it's it is, it is it's amazing. amazing that these came out at the same time and if you like one see the other yeah
0: it really is it really is amazing and you don't have to be involved or, or, or know a lot about the skate culture to enjoy it not at all because I think it works on a on a character level Oh, you, absolutely you, I don't
1: know the first thing about skate exactly. culture yeah no it's just you know it's just you're watching a bunch of kids grow up and and they all have it it could be video games it could be dungeons right. and dragons it doesn't matter
0: they're all they're all bonding over a shared love yeah and I think what's important here and impressive uh, about Jonah Hill as a writer director first of all he's written characters and he treats them very honestly. He yeah. he trusts the characters. He doesn't make apologies for their um, their behavior. Mm-hmm. Doesn't condescend to that no. way of life. No. Uh it's a very trusting way to deal with characters and with the actors because bringing in these these real novices mm-hmm. and that the a couple of them at least the, the two older boys they really can skate quite well. Yes. So that's probably where he got them. Yes. But so so very authentic there, and how they come to care about each other mm-hmm. in, in maybe unorthodox ways—ways ways that look unorthodox to say the mother—but mm-hmm. yet she even comes to realize no, they they care about mm-hmm. this kid, they mm-hmm. really do. So it's uh, it's it's a nice, very character-driven movie, and it's put together very well. I think it's directed very well. I, I, I mean, agree. The way it cuts, the way it uh, moves from from scene to scene, and also the way it. There's a lot of music involved, but then but not always, mm-hmm. you know, then he'll go with with uh, when when silence really works best. He'll go with that. Yep. But then you get blasts of music, blasts of sound. So I think it's pretty darn impressive uh, for, for Jonah Hill as a filmmaker. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in some inter- interviews I've read, like a lot of actors, they, he's saying, well, I, what I really always wanted to do was direct, which has kind of become a cliche. But you know what? If this is as impressive as he can be in his debut, I think he's got, you know, quite quite a good uh, future ahead of him Agreed. to see Agreed. to see what's uh, up his sleeve because this is quite an impressive debut as a writer and director, a new one called Mid-90s. We both liked it. Next up, a submarine action thriller. An untested American sub-captain teams with U.S. Navy SEALs to rescue the Russian president who's been kidnapped by a rogue general in Hunter Killer. I told Sixth Fleet you want a Hunter Killer. We've been ordered across waters if no American sub has Ever crossed before. Submerge the ship. Oh
1: my god. It's a coup. We're dealing with a single rogue minister.
0: What if we could free President Zakarin? We rescue the Russian president. Captain, waiting orders. We're going in with four of our boys and get one Russian president. If we don't pull this off, go, go, go! it's gonna be World War III.
1: I'm going to say with all sincerity that I imagine Gerard Butler is a very nice man.
0: <laughs> but on the whole, when you see Gerard Butler's name in the cast, I'm thinking it's not very good.
1: I'm thinking, oh, it's January. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I remember every time I saw this trailer, I'd be like, what is Gerard Butler doing with a movie coming out in October? That's prime time.
0: <laughs> there, You know, there have been a few movies that do stand out as better on the Gerard Butler scale. But, uh, boy, he has made so many just god awful geostorm, bad geostorm anyone choices gods of egypt <laughs> i mean we could go on and on so anyway we try what we're saying is our expectations were pretty low for Hunter Killer, and were, they were met. We're surprised that it was not coming out in January, and uh, yeah, they were met on the Gerard Butler scale. It's certainly not the best, but it's it's, it's
1: not. not. Yeah, it's not. London has fallen bad. Well,
0: that would be the worst. Yeah, one of the worst. It's certainly not. Uh, certainly, it's it's in the middle, kind of a low low middle.
1: Right. Well, the the middle on a Gerard Butler scale is pretty low <laughs> to start with. Um, and but I mean, I, I want to give him credit because he produces most of the films he's in, and and I admire um, that sort of tenacity to to get these movies made, and they're still be getting theatrical releases, so he hasn't gone full Bruce Willis, you know, so that everything <laughs> he makes is just straight to VOD. I mean, he, you know, these are getting... Re- How Geostorm got a theatrical release, I don't understand, but obviously he... Because people aren't going to see the movies. They're going to see him. So that's good see, for I, you. Really? I know. I, he, I don't, he, he I don't know. He doesn't
0: strike me as a butts in seats kind of guy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe enough,
1: some, enough butts in seats to keep getting more movies. Well,
0: I guess. Is somebody, we were just talking to somebody earlier that really likes a good submarine movie. Well, now, it seemed
1: like a funny thing to say.
0: I, I really not had not heard that. No. That's a genre. Yeah. But okay. But here, one of the things, that's that's a good thing to bring up, though. Because one of the things about a good submarine movie, and you think about, you think about some of them, mm-hmm. Um, Hunt for Red October. Yeah, or the U five seven five seven one. Yeah, they have to create a sense of claustrophobia. because you've got to imagine spending a, a long bit of time in a submarine. You know, as as an audience member, I want to feel that 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 claustrophobia. Like this is this ain't right. You yeah. know, first of all, you know it's going to smell bad. Oh my but, god! But that besides that, that aside, I mean, there's got to be a claustrophobia. You
1: I mean, you're on the out when you're when the shot is on the outside. It's a big tube. And it's well underwater. Yeah. So you know that inside, you're inside a big tube that's underwater. I mean, I am claustrophobic and the very con- the, I couldn't possibly get in one. I've always wanted to just uh, I'm just going to have to ride on top, everybody. Are you okay <laughs> with that?
0: And that's one of the things about this movie that you don't get that. Um, you don't get that sense Not of Not at all. You sort of feel like
1: parts of it were shot in a conference room. Yeah,
0: and even with the Underwater scenes—you don't really get the authenticity there. I'm not, we're not going to say they were using toys, but uh, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, so they're not. It's not a terrible movie. Donovan Marsh is the director, and you know the action sequences are passable, and the water shots are fine. There's and the, and the whole film is so proudly derivative. I mean, there's there's nothing really new happening here, and it's you know it's a political thriller where basically the idea is cooler heads prevail, and
0: yeah, good for you. Someone is trying to start a global conflict between Russia and, and, and the U.S. So everybody, it seems, is getting on Captain Glass here, which is um, which is our hero, Gerard. Go ahead and, you know, attack. And it's like, come on, let's get him. And he's the cooler head.
1: Right. I mean, there's such war movie cliches. It's like five guys. One is a newbie. He's always screwing up. You know, the guy in charge is just a badass and he really hates the newbie, but oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but thank God for it because otherwise you would spend the entire time either sitting in the war room, right, in D.C. with uh, Gary Oldman in common or you'd be inside this sub. Uh, nothing, you would feel as trapped by this film as, but so so it's great that at least for this part of the movie, you're out and moving around a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, we finally know how Common got his name of Common is because every movie has him in common. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, he's in every movie. This in is tw-
1: <laughs> I know. This is, I think, his fourth film in four weeks, right? So he was in Littlefoot,
0: Smallfoot. Small so he was a voice in Smallfoot. It was in All About All Nina. All About
1: Nina. Um, And he was in The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. All of which are better than this. Well, and he's, uh, to but be nobody honest, bats a thousand. And he's
0: doing better work. He is, especially on oh, yeah, all absolutely. about Nina. Yeah. He was quite impressive. Yeah. So I'm just, we're just, you know, having fun with the fact that he's everywhere. All yeah, of a he sudden. is. He is everywhere. Uh, all how, of a sudden, I don't know how there's not a movie starring Common and Tiffany Haddish. I know because you're the right. the- <laughs> they are in every single film that comes out. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so,
1: so who hasn't written that? Get on it. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. That'll be next week, I guess. But um, <laughs> it punches the buttons, you know. Yeah. Of, of this sort of thing, and you've got scenery chewing all over the place.
1: Oh, well, Gary Oldman, God bless you. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you never know exactly what you're going to get with Gary Oldman, uh, and every so often you just get that, that over-the-top scenery chewing, and that's what you have with this one. And uh, But I always like to see him in a movie. He's one of my favorites, and he's, you know, he's, he's him.
0: He's him, yeah, and this movie is this movie. It, it's... <laughs> It's not very good, but if you really are, if you're part of that uh, group that loves a, a submarine movie, it's not a good one, but uh, it is one, and it has some, <laughs> you know, some some passable action, and you know, the, let's let's work together and not blow ourselves up is a message I think we can all get behind. Right. So there's that. Yeah. So there's Hunter Killer. And the next one to talk about this week, at least uh, in, I think it's a pretty wide release, right, right, if right. not overall wide release, a new documentary. It follows Alex Honnold as he becomes the first person to ever free solo climb Yosemite's 3,000-foot-high El Capitan wall. With no ropes or safety gear, he completed arguably the greatest feat in rock climbing history, and the movie's called Free Solo. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously, like, much higher consequence. People who know a little bit about climbing, they're like, oh, he's totally safe and then people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every year I'm like, that's really scary. I'll never be content unless I at least put in the effort. El Cap is the most impressive wall on earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. If you're pushing the edge, eventually, Find the edge.
1: Excited you were about this, and I kept not remembering the name of the movie because I'd never heard of that term before. So I kept saying "Hope Solo," I'm like you know, when are we going to watch that? That Hope Solo about like,
0: soccer? Yeah. yeah, I
1: had no idea what free solo meant, and it means oh my god!
0: It, it pretty much does. I mean, yeah, I'm not really up on a lot of rock climbing. I just you know how I love the the, the true life adventures. Yes, you do. Either the, you surely do. The narrative uh, films or the documentaries, and this this is just insane. I, I had not heard about this guy. But he started rock climbing at an early age and then eventually dropped out of Cal Berkeley uh, to live in a van. I mean, he really did Um, not down by the river, but by all sorts of uh, rocks, walls, he calls them, that he could climb. And he became, you know, very famous and got a bunch of sponsor money. Uh, in that world, uh, but then he started to lean toward this free soloing, which is, yeah, climbing without any safety gear. And that actually cost him sponsor money because big sponsors like, I think it was Cliff Bar, you know, the the, the mm-hmm. that, uh, bar that they all eat, uh, didn't want to be associated with somebody who they thought was pushing the, you know, the normal boundaries of risk so much because
1: somebody who's clearly bound to die doing it at exactly, some point Exactly.
0: Exactly because we're reminded by one of his climbing heroes a guy named Tommy Caldwell who's in the movie reminds us that 99.9% of everyone involved in free soloing is dead. Yeah. Uh it's yeah and so the movie not only chronicles the quest for him to do this gets into his background and and why he might be driven to follow this sort of path, and he turns out to be a very interesting guy, very smart, very smart. But I don't want—he's not antisocial, but he's quirky social. And uh, actually, one point he goes in and he gets a brain, an MRI, MRI brain scan. And he just actively wonders if there's something funny in his brain that caused him to, you know, go after this type of activity. But uh, they say no, not really. Uh, but then you get a look at his background, and that sheds a little more light. He, he was raised in a in a home that had very. Few signs of affection, uh, and he felt he was always pushed to perform. And it's really bittersweet because at one point, he says that in his mid-20s, he thought it might it might be good for him to practice hugging. He had never really hugged. Aww. And he thought, yeah, And it's like that's the way he... He doesn't really operate with normal social concerns, but yet at the same time, he's trying to assess himself and think, I, I, I need to do this, right. you know, yeah. uh, to, to get better with people. Uh, and he does eventually have a serious girlfriend and that is very interesting too because then he starts to as he as he works toward his goal it, it was an 8 year goal of free soloing this El Capitan and then he starts to really reassess if now because of this new girlfriend he has quote a, an obligation to maximize my lifespan
1: which is something that he
0: wasn't yeah. concerned and, with and before how, just to put it in those very yeah. clinical terms mm-hmm. you know it's fascinating and then you've got you know, the, the directors are Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassar-Helley. I, I hope I pronounced that right. And they've done some other climbing uh, projects. Most recently, Maru, which is a, a, a very a similar project, had some outstanding footage that attempted to get inside the heads of the climbers. Sure. Which is what they do here, just on a very singular way. One basis. of the
1: things that I thought was fascinating about this movie and about the filmmakers is... That is, is if you aren't already anxious enough watching it, the crew is so anxious. It's as if, they're you know, yeah. every day they're afraid, we're going to film this man's death.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, the directors are concerned. They're concerned, even though they're all in on the project, they're concerned their very presence might alter his decision-making. Mm. So right there, they don't want to have... If something did go wrong, they're... They don't want to be responsible exactly. for it. And so they're wondering if that might, you know, alter his decision-making. And then, yeah, at least there's at least one guy on the ground who's got a telescope... Uh, following his, who's clearly bothered. He is clearly bothered with every single step. Mm-hmm. And you know, once they get to the climbing, the some of the footage is just you know, well, like I said, it it left me searching up synonyms for breathtaking. Right. I mean, the fact that this was not faked and he's doing this without yeah. any sort of safety. You're like, my God, man. Uh, So that that I would recommend trying to see it on the biggest screen you can find, (laughs) similar to a few weeks ago. There was a documentary called Mountain Yep. Yep. the same way, Mm -hmm. except this time there's a person on this wall climbing it with with absolutely zero ropes or harnesses or anything. And it's just it's fascinating from a an intimate uh, character study of this guy who's, you know, not just a character, but a real man and the fact that he actually pulled this off. Yeah. You know, and that's not really a spoiler. They make it very clear in oh, the Oh no, uh, I yeah. They're, they're not going d- to show it, it, it if he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he did it is just insane. And if you're not really familiar with the whole climbing world, as I really wasn't either, yeah, it maybe. lets you know just how insane this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he did it is a is a eighth wonder of the world type of feat. <laughs> and I'm actually wondering now, I want to like keep Keep tabs on this guy. I want to know now, are you going to be done? Right. Is is this enough for you now? Yeah. Uh, So, it's going to be interesting to follow, but I'll tell you, this is a fascinating and just, and yeah, there's that word again, breathtaking documentary to catch if it's in your area, especially on a big screen, and that is Free Solo. And that means it's time to go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Out this week on home video, boy, one of a movie that is so might be the most different, maybe the most daring, one of the most original movies of the year that we both love called "Sorry to Bother You."
1: Everything about it, everything about it, I loved. I loved um, uh, this kind of satire about it. I love the style and the colors. The performances are amazing, and but honestly, you know, uh, the writing could not be more on point. I mean, it is it is something that. Begs to be seen. People need to see it.
0: Yeah, uh, seen and discussed. It's writer director Boots Riley with his first, uh, we're talking about impressive debuts with Jonah Hill yeah. a, a, last, a few minutes ago. This is one right here, and it follows a guy who's played by Keith Stansfield, who you, know, you might know him from Get Out. Right. Uh, he's a telemarketer, and he discovers like this magical key to professional success. And then he gets making the money, and then he kind of gets a whole different mindset. And it turns in, it gets crazy. It does. I mean, it gets crazy. But and it, it needs to. It needs to. And it's very surreal, and things just drop into the screen and pull back. It, it's crazy. But I'll tell you, if you let yourself, if you give yourself into it, I, I think it's it's a really incredibly original, captivating, thought-provoking work that I really liked.
1: Yeah, it's it's what it is also is just a brilliant deconstruction of capitalism. It
0: is. It really um, is. Yeah. yeah, in
1: a way that we've honestly not ever seen in a film.
0: Certainly not in this way. No. Certainly not in this way. And yeah, big recommendation for that if you can if you missed it uh, in the theaters, it's out at home video. And also the sequel to Mama Mia is out this week for you Abba fans, Mama Mia here we go again, and everybody—I think everybody's back, right? Even Meryl Streep, uh, in a little bit, briefly is mm-hmm. back, and we add Cher. We do. So when you add Cher, you're you're adding big diva. And Lily James, who's everywhere,
1: she plays the young Meryl. Is She's common everywhere? <laughs> no, she, she's.
0: <laughs> is She <laughs> Tiffany Haddish everywhere. No, she's not. You're right. She barely works.
1: <laughs> Lily James, who barely works, got a job and she plays the young Meryl Streep character. And you know what? She's. I mean, she's a charming person and she's got such an infectious smile. Uh, the problem, though, is that when she's on screen, and then the the people who play the young counterparts, the young Colin Firth, and you know, they're they're so bland compared to the for the the original generation, the Meryl Streep generation. Yeah. That the movie really drags, and the other reason the movie really drags is that they kind of used all the ABBA songs you knew already in the first <laughs> yeah. one, so all they have left are B sides and the the ones the lyrics are so weird that there was no other way to use them. So,
0: B sides and the forgotten hits. Yeah, of ABBA. it's
1: um, it's a bit of a drag.
0: Yeah, a bit of a drag for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Looking forward to next week. Uh Yeah, we are because it looks like a big, big week. Big week. The remake of Suspiria, <laughs> which I was I was lucky to see just a couple of days ago, and I'm eager, eager to talk about it, because I can tell you right now, it's a lot different than the original, so that'll be fun. Also, the Queen biography, Freddie Mercury biography, Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, I hope that's good. I do too. I do too, and uh, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Once well, assu- it's
1: November; it's time for the holiday movies to start. Yeah,
0: we're moving beyond Halloween straight to Christmas. Yes, we are. I guess so. We'll look for those next week. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about these. Uh, if you dug, you know, if you're one of that, if you're one of the members of the the submarine fan club, or the Gerard Butler group. <laughs> please seek us out. Uh, You can always find this easy way to do that on uh, social media, uh, Twitter. We love to talk movies on Twitter. Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, you can check out all our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast, which is Fright Club. All that and more at madwolf.com. So until next week, we hope to hear from you. The Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater and a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.